0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be doing an update
1: on the Apple TV Plus original Ted Lasso, originally discussed in episode 11. Warning spoilers ahead. Hi, Kat, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. You were sick last week. I was terribly ill last week. What happened? I think I got a really bad case of the norovirus. I just had like a terrible stomach flu and a really high fever, but apparently it's been going around out here at least. Yeah. My boss had it, and then I didn't realize that a lot of other students have been getting it as well. Really? Yeah, it's definitely been going around for the last couple weeks, I guess, so.
0: Oh, that sucks.
1: Yeah, and it was bad. Usually I can function pretty well with like a cold or something like that, but I was just like out for the count for multiple days.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But yeah, definitely back to 100%, especially because I was in charge of like organizing a lot of the events for this last weekend and I was nervous I wouldn't be. Feeling Mm -hmm. well for that, so I'm really glad that I ended up recovering
0: in time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I just watched Triangle of Sadness today. Oh, what did you think? It was good. There was a lot of puking in it. I know. That's why I didn't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't see other people puke and not also. Are you like, what is that called? Like a sympathetic?
1: I'm a sympathetic puker. Absolutely. Ah. Yeah.
0: That sucks. Yeah, I'm one of the, I'm one of the sturdiest. Like, I'll hold your hair back. I'm good. Like, <laughs> I'll be there for you. <laughs> I am not. Yeah, you should not watch Triangle of Sadness then. No.
1: Yeah, I saw the trailer for that at uh, the independent movie theater here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, I won't be watching <laughs> that one. <laughs> Speaking of the independent movie theater, I yes. got to use my gift card that you got me for the first time. I didn't Wonderful. go alone, so I didn't do my like goal quite yet, mm-hmm. but I did go see Skinnamarink the other day. What did you
0: think? What did you think? Have you seen it? No, but I okay. know all about it. I've heard... like. Lots like of people's takes. reactions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first thing I said after the film, because I
1: went and saw it with my uh friend who always goes and sees scary movies yeah. with me. Did you know anything about it going in? It, only very, very little. I hadn't okay. even watched a trailer. Um, One of our mutual friends, she yeah. really, really loved it. And really? she told me to see it. And mm. I was like, well, yeah, I guess I can go see it. It's at the theater. And so I went later that week and watched it. And so my my like first reaction coming out of the film, first thing you say to the person you're sitting next to after you watch the film, was I have never been so simultaneously terrified and bored at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a movie that I genuinely did not enjoy viewing. I didn't enjoy it. Like the experience of watching it. Yeah. But I found myself thinking about it the whole rest of the night. And <laughs> my friend and I that I had seen it with were like texting our theories to each other about like what it all meant. Yeah. And I think my personal theory is that the filmmaker did something really clever with intentionally making the audience feel kind of bored with the film because when I was like going through and I was reading through a lot of the reviews, they were like, oh, it's like if a short film got a bunch of fluff added to it and then the Uh fluff like just took up all of the remainder of the film. And Uh I agree with those takes in a way, but I also think that the film is generally following two very, very young children that aren't able to really process, like, the terrifying things that are really happening to them. Yeah. And they keep going through, like, this cycle of having the shit scared out of them, but also, Uh like, going and getting more (laughs) toys and watching more cartoons and Mm -hmm. getting bored with that. And then, like, something terrifying happens to them. And I just thought it was like a really clever thing that the filmmaker did to kind of make the audience feel those cycles very realistically. Like I was feeling those cycles of like, oh, something scary just happened. And then I got like totally bored and then something Mm -hmm. scary would happen. And I feel like that has to be an intentional choice. And I just thought it was really thought provoking after I left the theater, Um, but I wouldn't watch it again.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I debated going to see it. I went to the movies last weekend mm-hmm. because I really want to try harder to get to the actual theater mm-hmm. this year. I was ugh, like really, like by my own standards, really unsuccessful last year. I think mm-hmm. I only got to a, a theater like four or five times, which is a travesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tried out a new theater. Um, I was complaining to you before I'm sure about how the ones nearest to me only show like the top four most like popular movies so Mm -hmm. they're um they don't usually match up with what I'm trying to see Mm -hmm. but I found out that the IFC center is on the subway line that I live on so even though it's quite far away it's like a straight shot once I'm On the train. Oh, great. So it doesn't take like nearly as long as like some of the other theaters that have the films I'm interested in, but are like way, way, way down in lower Manhattan and like five avenues. I see. You know, east or something. And so I went to the IFC Center for the first time and I liked it a lot. So I'm definitely planning on going back there again.
1: Oh great. That's awesome. Yeah. What did you see last
0: weekend? I saw Corsage. Um oh, I, I think it's time. out in limited release right oh, okay. now. It, they were also showing Skinamarink, which I considered, but when I heard like some people talking about it like on the Watch podcast mm-hmm. and on The Big Picture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was like I don't know if I wanted to spend my movie trip on Skinamarink. So yeah. I don't regret seeing it in the
1: theater. Like, I'm really glad mm-hmm. that I did end up going to watch it. I just wouldn't watch it again, if that makes any sense. Sure, um, sure. So I think that seeing it in the theater really brought out the film's mixing, or lack thereof. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it it does this really interesting thing where everything seems kind of like shot on one of those like big video cameras that, like, takes a big VCR tape and, Mm. like, you know, like, the sound quality on those generally is, like, there's a lot of background noise. There's a lot. And, like, if you are hearing something re-recorded on one of those, it can be very, very jarring. And it was very overstimulating in that sense of, like, there was just a lot going on in terms of, like, the audio. And... I don't know, it made for some really spooky moments with like sudden jarring sounds that weren't Mm -hmm. like jump scares, but were just like very, it was a very different movie and had very different scares, which I thought was
0: interesting. Yeah, I'm really glad that it's had a lot of unexpected success. I think that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of hard to tell like whether or not people are going to like that kind of movie or whether or not it's going to be meaningful to them. Mm Um, but yeah, I definitely spent a lot of time thinking about it after the fact. So worth watching in that sense.
0: Cool. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to try to catch Infinity Pool next weekend if it's still in theaters. That's Brandon Cronenberg's new movie.
1: Oh yeah. I think I saw a trailer for that.
0: Yeah. I've been looking forward to that. Um, it look, it has... Our lesser favorite Skarsgård in it.
1: Yes, I did. I wrote it down. Oh, love a good independent movie theater. Yeah. But yeah, so I was sick, and then... um When I started getting better, I was still like not able to do a lot of running around, not able to like go to work because my fever was still pretty high. But I started watching Ted Lasso Mm. and I started just like trying to do a couple of chores and get my house in order while I did so to make it a little more enjoyable. But, uh, and I was super hooked after the first episode. And I texted you immediately, and I was just, like, stream of consciousness texting you. My Um, favorite. All of my favorite characters, all of my favorite um, lines. My favorite quote from the first episode was, uh, Ted gets asked, does he believe in ghosts? And he says, I sure do. (laughs) But more importantly, I think they need to believe in themselves.
0: Oh, Ted. Ted. Um, my favorite line from the first episode is when he says, I'm sorry, I spit on all this stuff up here. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Oh my God. Yes. I'm sorry, I spit on all your stuff. <laughs> so good.
1: But yeah, I flew through season one. Obviously, the episodes are super short. Yeah. So they're like 30 minute episodes and it's taken me a long time to get around to this one. You initially recommended it to me on episode 11. So
0: yeah, a solid chunk of time ago, like 20 weeks ago, at least. Yeah. And that was a wreck that I was very certain Mm -hmm. you would like in particular. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I've been going around and I
1: mean, this weekend was like a weekend of icebreakers and small talk and things like that. And so I had mentioned to some of my coworkers that I'd been watching Ted Lasso. Uh And they were like, I've heard about that. I don't understand why people like that show so much. It's just about soccer, right? And I'm like, it's more than soccer. Where the fuck have they
0: been? (laughs) I don't know. Who the fuck doesn't know what Ted Lasso is?
1: incredible to get to open the eyes of all of my colleagues wow I'm furious <laughs> <laughs> but I gave it a ringing endorsement so hopefully Lovely. they go watch it uh yeah I mean it's funny because I watched the first season and then immediately wanted to rewatch it again and I wanted to get Scott to watch it with me and he mm-hmm. is always a little bit hesitant to watch like television shows. He just never really thinks that they're going to be like for him or like they're, he's just like reticent a little bit in the same way that I'm kind of reticent to watch movies that I think are going to be like really emotionally evocative or something like that. Sure. And I was like, I just really think that you should watch the first episode. And I was kind of describing to him that the show really ended up meaning a lot to me. Like, I felt like all of the emotional beats hit really hard for me because a lot of them revolve around the kind of topic of of divorce and like I've dealt with divorced parents so I think that it does a really good job depicting divorce in a way that a lot of media really doesn't because obviously it's more exciting for a show to have a divorce that's really messy and like people are screaming and fighting and throwing plates and things like that. But Mm -hmm. this is the other side of it where it's just two people that have cared about each other for a very long time, but know that it's in each other's best interest to no longer continue the relationship that they're in. And I think that that's the reality of a lot of divorce And that's what a lot of people, or a good chunk of people who are going through divorce are experiencing. And I think that it's really inclusive to depict divorce that way and to validate that experience because that's not something that a lot of people can see in today's media. So I don't know. It just, it really hit me hard and I felt like they did it in just a really beautiful and It just had so much depth. It just, like, felt so genuine and real and raw. And then to contrast that with everything else in the show where you get to see that character being jokey and funny and you realize that he's going through, like, this really tragic event in his life. Like, it just... I don't know. It just makes you think a lot about people's internal struggles and the way that they portray themselves to the world and how both can be genuine and real but there's certain aspects of a person that you don't get to see
0: yeah i agree i think that particular topic was handled very compassionately and at in the same turn like makes you think about you know, treating other people around you with more compassion because they're probably going through something fucked up in their home life. Yeah. And yeah, um, I agree. That was definitely something that stood out to me from that first season. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you stop at the end of season one? How far did you get?
1: So I didn't stop at the end of season one. I am in the middle of the 3rd episode of season 2 so cool. i like have been oriented to the general setup for the next season but I haven't gotten too deep into that mm-hmm. yeah and
0: did um did scott sample any episodes yet
1: yes we watched the first one together last night so cool. um, and he ended up really enjoying it
0: so oh good i I'm was glad. very pleased I really liked season two a lot. Um, When we covered this back in August, I just limited my discussion to season one. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really pleased that you're getting to season two because I think it was even better than the first one.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. So far, I haven't thought that it's better yet, but Mm -hmm. I do really love it. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's just a really great show. I just really love Ted's character, but not because Ted's character is like funny and makes me laugh or any any of that. But I just love how perceptive Ted is and how he is observant and cares enough to watch everybody around him and see... Their emotions and see what they're going through and put the pieces together because I think that we all have the capacity to do that. We all have the capacity to watch the things happening around us and not be wrapped up in our own lives and our own experience. And we can extend that to people around us. And I think that watching Ted shows so much empathy and kindness to people who have maybe treated him poorly or lashed out or things like that. He never takes it personally because he realizes that these things aren't about him. Like people are lashing out for a reason, but it's not about him. And I just think that that is something I hadn't really put a lot of thought into before but I just think is a really beautiful quality in people. And when I think about people that I look up to in my own life and people who I think are very emotionally aware of other people, they have qualities like that where they're watching a situation unfold and they're able to understand the undertones of a specific situation and make sure that people are getting the support that they need and that's just something that like i aspire to be better at and i think that it shows it like kind of shows a pipeline for making things not all about yourself and kind of fighting our own narcissistic natures
0: yeah absolutely and i think that that ability of teds is one of the things that makes him a very good leader Uh because he's constantly looking at the bigger picture uh, regarding the people on his team and the people in their lives. Like Uh not only can he, you know, not get caught up in petty interactions, Uh he's investigating what is going on in it each of those people's lives to understand them on a larger scale Uh and identify where they need support so that he can help them progress in a big picture way Uh as well as help them be integrated into the larger picture of the team and so he's working on a grander scale in both senses I think Uh for sure Is there anyone who, like, demonstrated growth that you found particularly satisfying so far?
1: Oh, of course. (laughs) Um, I mean, all of my, like, favorite characters uh, are ones that grew the most over the season. Um, So, obviously, my, like, first love of the show was Roy Kent because he is absolutely my type. Cranky. (laughs) Um, But also, I love Roy's arc throughout the show because he's always a good person, even from the start. And he's the first to say, like, I'm seeing something fucked up happening. And I think the coach should do something about it. And so he talks to Ted and he says, like, hey, something fucked up is happening. Are you going to deal with this? And he's like, no, I think you should deal with it. And um, Roy's like, no, that's not my problem. And just to like see him start standing up for the underdog and not expecting somebody else to do it was really wonderful. And seeing him embrace his own leadership, like he kind of goes through the hero's journey of like, he's technically the captain, but the leadership qualities that Ted wants to see from him, he doesn't consider a worthwhile pursuit necessarily and there's one of my favorite roy kent moments is he is reading to his niece in bed mm-hmm. and he's reading a book that ted got for him which is a wrinkle in time like a childhood favorite of so many and i this is just another instance of like Ted being able to observe the bigger picture and give people messages in ways that they might be more willing to hear them and accept them. And but, anyways, he's sitting in in his niece's bed and like reading this book aloud to her, and he just goes fuck, <laughs> and uh-huh. he like goes out and like confronts these people who have been bullying one of the like support staff members of the team. Yeah. Nathan and uh I just like I love that moment he's so angry and he never stops being angry yeah but he does like learn how to channel it to make the team better and I really love that
0: yeah I love that The way that Ted wants him to progress is not to change Mm -hmm. his anger or who he is. It's to kind of channel that into taking more responsibility Mm -hmm. for being a leader and things of that nature. And I also, when I think of Roy Kent's arc in the first season, I think of him accepting, you know, his retirement Mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm moving away from his entire identity being centered on being a football player because having uh, work overrepresented in terms of self-identity is something I've struggled with with a long time so I really identified with that struggle that Roy was having and Uh, so to me that was the most I mean it's so satisfying seeing him stand up for Nate mm -hmm. Um, But I also really loved that kind of second half of his arc where he um, starts to see that he has a lot of things to offer outside of football.
1: Yeah. And this is getting into season two, but another one of my favorite, Roy Kent. And also, Keely is an incredible character. I love her. She's incredibly perceptive she's like the female ted lasso of the Mm -hmm. show she's wonderful and she brings out the best in all of the people she interacts with especially roy and there's this moment where roy has gone through the retirement in the second season um and he's struggling with it and he doesn't want to like take this job that he's being offered to like go speak on a a program about sports i don't know I don't know anything about sports, but he, he like is reticent to accept that offer. And he's like really scared and, um, they're out for ice cream or something or hot cocoa with his niece. And she like calls the niece over and she's like, what do you think of when you think of your uncle Roy? And the niece like lists off a bunch of different things. And she's like, see, she didn't say anything about you being a footballer. Like that, Mm -hmm. that isn't something that's, like, important to anyone but you, really. And, like, it helps them, like, get over this mental block. And I just think it's a really sweet moment. And it's another instance of, like, someone being, like, this person needs to hear this message, but they cannot receive it from me. They, like, craftily figure out a way to get a different messenger, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I really like that moment as well. It's
1: really really good yeah but yeah aside from roy kent i would say that the character that had the most growth was definitely rebecca um rebecca's arc is fantastic mm-hmm. and i i found her so relatable i found her rage relatable i found like because she she doesn't like express it but she's clearly got a lot of just built up resentment and anger and hurt that she doesn't know what to do with and she's just gone through this awful divorce and she wants revenge and um, you you brought this up in the first episode. Obviously the main premise of Ted Lasso is she hires this American football coach to like coach this football league mm-hmm. and soccer for Americans. With the hope that it will fail and it will hurt her ex-husband because it is not doing well and so on and so forth. But it's so wonderful to see like her resolve on that start to break the more she interacts with Ted and the more Ted keeps just like endearing himself to her. And she has this really lovely friendship that she develops with Keeley over the right. season, which is one of my favorite things I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Keely is just, like, such a hype queen. I love her. And I just... I love that Keeley pushes her to, like, eventually tell Ted about her shenanigans. And Keeley knows that, like, it'll help Rebecca be better but also that like Ted is the person that will forgive her for anything that she's done like and that to move forward and to grow as a person she has to tell Ted because otherwise there's like this stunt in her development as a person I think and the forgiveness scene I cried all the way through it When she like confronts Ted and apologizes and you know that Ted's going to be chill. You know it, but there's a moment where you don't and you're like- I, You
0: know, I didn't know it. Oh, I, don't I think, knew. I was not nearly as confident.
1: Oh, I knew that he was going to be fine because like there's this moment where you see the hurt on his face, but once again, he's able to be like, I understand that this isn't about me. Like you hurt me. And I forgive you and I'm not going to say that it's like fine and that you didn't do anything wrong, but he just says that he forgives her and I really like that scene and I like its simplicity and I think that it models fantastic apologies, it models forgiveness, it models not harboring resentment at somebody who's done you wrong and how that would make us so much happier as people if we were able to not harbor resentment for people who have done us wrong and we have nominally forgiven right but a lot of us mm-hmm. still like hold that and we we have this like fool me once mentality and we don't want to be fooled twice but i just think that there are instances where we can be a little more forgiving and it models that really well I like that.
0: Yeah, and he also specifically states that divorce is hard, Mm -hmm. and he understands that it was, you know, almost completely driven by her experience with her divorce. Yeah. And he understands that profoundly since he has been newly divorced and struggling with that transition. So it was really nice to see them have that common understanding and common ground. Mm-hmm. I guess I was just shocked by the turnaround of his forgiveness because it was like within the same conversation as Rebecca's big confession. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was extremely impactful for mm-hmm. that reason. And yeah, that's a great scene. I love that one.
1: But I just think his initial response to conflict being, what's going on with this person? is an extremely productive way to approach conflict. Because a lot of times, if I'm lashing out at somebody, it's not about anything that they've done. It's like a thing that I'm going through, right? Or if somebody's lashing out at me, I want to be more inclined to say like, I bet they're going through something. What is that? Instead of being like, they hate me. Because I think that That's just a lot more productive. And seeing it in the show made me just think about that a lot. And I really liked that. Kind of like a, why would somebody be acting this way towards me? What's going on with them first Mm -hmm. mentality?
0: Yeah, like a less egocentric approach to dissecting a conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: One thing that I like about the show, too, is that it might not always be the most realistic representation of a conflict right so Mm -hmm. maybe a normal person wouldn't you shouldn't always forgive people like within the same conversation they apologize to you that's not always productive and sometimes you need to like think about it and dissect it but I do think that so like I'm not saying that all apologies would be that way but I do think that it serves the show's purpose to kind of have have it play out that way
0: yeah it definitely worked for the show definitely
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't expecting it to like make me feel as like moved and such deep emotions as it did. Yeah. And like the end of almost every episode had me crying. I really liked that structure too, where the end of every episode left me with something like really impactful and something that I like carried away with me. Um, and it wasn't just like it ended on a funny, joke or something it always ended with like a really meaningful moment and I really
0: liked that structure but I also think it didn't end in like a meaningful moment in like the kind of stereotypical sitcom style like it wasn't like an episode of Full House where Bob Saget sits down DJ and is like has like this very like straightforward moral of the story kind of oh, talk, you yeah, know what I mean? No. Like it's not like a lame expositional message. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a demonstration of a concept yeah. uh, between people that you've grown to care about. And I love that delivery so much more Yeah, um, compared to like a, you know, just kind of straight down the camera Yeah, discussion. Do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite of the ending scenes is actually the first episode where he is on the phone with his wife back in America and it is a one-sided conversation. It's just heartbreaking because you can see how much love Ted Lasso has for his partner and that it's not being reciprocated is just like absolutely killing him. But he wants her to be okay. And like, it's just so terribly sad and you just want to protect this person who like spends his whole life like reading and seeing other people and like you just want him to be seen and then you don't get that really until the uh karaoke scene yeah where rebecca sees him and she like comes and talks to him and comforts him and it's just like a really beautiful moment like to see him being cared for in the way that he cares for everyone else around him. Ugh.
0: Yeah, That that's like episode seven, I believe. Yeah, I think so. With the karaoke night. That's my favorite episode of that season. It's when Sofie. they have the, the away game <laughs> at Liverpool. Yeah. That episode is pristine. It's so good. Yeah. Um, do you have any other like standout scenes or standout characters you wanted to shout out? Trent Krim. Trent Krim is a fucking vibe. I want all Head of his to clothes. Head to toe. Head to toe. That guy fucking rocks.
1: I've started a, a board on Pinterest where I'm like, I want <laughs> these clothes. These Trent Krim
0: clothes. I fucking love his look. His entire vibe is immaculate. I want like his immaculate. hair. His hair. Gorgeous. So good. Jesus Christ. Incredible.
1: Um... And I love his episode. The third episode is probably one of my favorites because you are thinking this is going to go so bad. Like you're Mm -hmm. watching Ted Lasso and Trent Krim interact and you are like, oh my God, this guy's just going to like tear him a new one. You're like, this guy's going to tear him to shreds in the paper. Mm -hmm. And the article that ends up being written is... Perfect. It's good journalism, right? Like yeah, Trent is Trent doing wrote his it. fucking job. <laughs> but you're thinking like, oh, this is just another like person who's going to have a really horrible bias about Ted and not give him the benefit of the doubt and not take him seriously. But then Trent takes him seriously, and it's beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Trent Krim fucking rocks. Yes, it's I so think good. I think episode three, the one with Trent Krim is where i really decided that i liked the show mm-hmm. because a trent crim is a really good audience stand-in for people coming from like a more cynical mindset mm-hmm. like someone like me where you need to be won over mm-hmm. to more positive people and it that episode is like a perfect mini encapsulation of what it's like to be won over by the show as a whole yes um mm-hmm. and it's a really good demonstration of a principle that ted uh, i hope this isn't a spoiler when ted plays darts versus rupert <gasps> oh my God. that's in the season one uh-huh. correct that's my yes. favorite
1: fucking scene i love his that his speech
0: about being curious uh-huh. rather than judgmental trent Crim perfectly demonstrates that yes as like a it's like a foreshadowing for that big speech you could say but yeah um the speech about being curious that's a fan favorite i believe
1: that's a great speech but also the way that whole interaction starts is absolutely fantastic be like (laughs) oh i forgot i was left-handed was like i like screamed (laughs) i was like oh my god this is going to be fine. Yeah. So good. Also, I played darts for the first time this weekend. Was terrible uh, at it. Was so bad. It was very fun though. Uh,
0: yeah. It looks fun. I haven't I haven't fucked around with darts in a long time. It was like
1: a board that has all the holes in it and it was like rubber darts. I couldn't hurt anybody, so uh, that was good. That was yeah. why I tried it. Sure. I don't I don't fuck with sharp things <laughs> in crowded bars. But uh Yeah, so I played darts, definitely not as good as Ted Lasso, and definitely still don't understand the rules, so. No,
0: I don't know what the fuck those rules are.
1: Also, I cannot aim, I cannot aim the darts yet. Um, I (laughs) did get a bullseye, it was total chance, but, um, but yeah, that seems really cool. It's also just satisfying to see whatever the fuck that guy's name is just get absolutely destroyed. Rupert. I hate Rupert.
0: Yeah, that actor does a really good job. How do you feel about Jamie Tart? I
1: feel bad about Jamie Tart. <laughs> <laughs> I dated Jamie Tart. Absolutely.
0: Cat. No. I did. Oh. I Cat. dated a guy
1: who oh, was no. decidedly Jamie Tart esque. He was oh, obsessed with no. Ultimate Frisbee, mm-hmm. which was like his version of soccer. And Mm -hmm. he was just a dick. So, I do love his. I love the things that Ted finds out about him, and I love the beginning of season two. Like, I love the return of Jamie. I do.
0: Did you love when he was on Love Island?
1: I did. I did. (laughs) I was like, this is everything.
0: That was the most perfect character transition i've ever fucking seen
1: i that he would do
0: that he fucking would do that yeah incredible writing incredible oh my god amazing it was
1: i was shocked and then i wasn't shocked at all
0: yeah perfection
1: yeah it's good i mean they they're gonna try to make me like jamie I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm pretty pretty good at being suckered into things that I don't (laughs) think I'm going to like, so. Yeah. Maybe he'll have redeeming characteristics. Watching him and Roy interact is fantastic. I know. It's Oh, my God. Roy Ken had such a good line in, I think it was the first episode of season two, or yeah, first episode of season two, where he doesn't like the guy that Rebecca's seeing, and- (gasps) He says um, something to the effect of, like, you deserve so much better than that. He should make you feel like you've been struck by lightning. And I felt, like, goosebumps, like, all over my arms. I was like, that is such a good line and such a good delivery because he's so angry. It's not romantic at all. It's just, like, so fucking angry that, (laughs) like, his friends aren't getting what they deserve. And I think it's so cute.
0: Perfection.
1: Um. I like the like vulnerability issue in season two where Keely's like, I want you to be vulnerable. It's really hot. (laughs) Oh
0: yes. Oh yeah. That's great. It's very hard to agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I love that too. Like I think it says a lot about how a lot of women view vulnerability in men is not a detriment to their character. Like women want to see vulnerability in men. Mm -hmm. It's like something that we desire and when we do see it it's like really really attractive but then men are like oh if I show vulnerability I'm weak and I'm horrible and (laughs) but yeah I just I thought that that was really nice to see a depiction of like true vulnerability crying like men crying yeah. And it being perceived as, like, an attractive quality in a man. I think that's yeah. wonderful. I know. I agree.
0: Yeah, because I think she's correct. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I love that Sam gets a lot more, like, interesting character stuff. Like, uh, he gets such a bigger part in season two. Um mm-hmm. I love that he is such a good character. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you to see like two of my favorite episodes of the uh-huh. whole series so far are like rainbow that's okay. coming up and then no weddings and a funeral mm. are so those episodes are so fucking good
1: but you were absolutely right that the curse episode is incredible
0: yeah how much did you love that
1: i loved it um danny rojas is incredible danny rojas is <laughs> <He's>
0: so cute <laughs>
1: Um, precious little baby. So
0: precious.
1: Um, but yeah, the curse episode was really great. And I love that they gave a lot more characters, the like stage for that to like throw their thing in the fire. And I really liked that. I didn't think that we were going to get to see as many of the players as we did. Mm -hmm. And that's like really the first time where you get to see Rebecca... Like, come and be vulnerable for just a minute and, like, join in with the team. Yeah. And I thought that was really lovely. I fucking loved that episode. It was so good.
0: It was really good. It had some of the best jokes in it, too. hmm
1: And you know how I feel about ghosties. I know. I was <laughs>
0: like, oh, Kat is gonna fucking love this shit.
1: Oh, uh, yes. So good. Yeah. But, yeah, I love Sam... I love all of the team players. I love the assistant coach. The, I don't know his name. Coach Beard. Coach Beard. Um, he, that actor, has the ability to keep his face completely <laughs> still and yeah. not react at all. And that is, I'm sure, quite difficult. Like, yeah. his face is just, like, so unmoving. In very funny moments. It's so good.
0: Yeah, Brendan Hunt, thats that actor, yeah. he seems like a very cool guy.
1: But yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I'm really glad I got to watch it. Because sometimes I'm just so reticent to watch new things that I just never get around to them. And I I have a list by my bed now of like... TV shows that I've been meaning to watch and movies that I've been meaning to watch and books I've been meaning to read. And so every time I'm like, just pulling up YouTube to watch the same old video, the same old (laughs) Monster Factory, I'll get out my list. And that's how Mm -hmm. I started watching Ted Lasso because I was like, oh, I'll go to my list. And then I started watching it.
0: I was so excited when you texted me that you were finally doing it. I was like, and then when you were like, Live, live chatting your reactions. Mm-hmm. I got so jealous that I went back and started watching <laughs> it again too. I was like, I want to relive those moments. Ugh.
1: they're good moments.
0: Yeah, and plus, Apple has now attached the word "spring" to Ted Lasso season three. Oh wow! <laughs> That's okay, as specific That's soon. as they've gotten, but, but it is pretty is soon. Yeah, so. So all that's very all exciting. Up then. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love it. It's so good. But yeah, surprisingly deep. I was not expecting it to be as deep because I was more expecting a similar vibe to, like, Our Flag Means Death. Where, sure. like, it was good and it was meaningful and it was funny to me, but it wasn't, like, deep and meaningful in the same way, in, like, the same really, really hard-hitting way. Yeah. Um. And so I was very excited that like, it was another show that just like meant a lot to me and is one that I think I'll be thinking about for a really long time.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you loved it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I've got a lot of my coworkers getting the Apple TV free trial and starting to watch it because it is very good. Also, I know new terms like relegated yeah. And that's it. That's all I know. <laughs> I was like I've start. learned so much about soccer. I haven't. I learned complicated. Yeah.
0: Shout out to John Green for spending years teaching me all of those terms related to you know the Premier League and all of the different leagues in English football and what relegation and promotion means cuz mm-hmm. he talks about it weekly on Dear Hank and John. Um, so I had, like, a really nice existing framework of understanding, thanks to John Green.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't have that framework. But it was still lovely even without that framework. So, yeah, like, you like don't like you need don't to know, know, to know anything. anything about soccer
0: Yeah, to watch it. Yes. You know what? One of my favorite parts from season one was when Nate fucking roasted everyone
1: oh my god before the
0: everton game <laughs> that
1: was really good was so and really, good. it was a really meaningful roy kent moment too god, Fuck it was yeah! so good when he like gets all up like close to me and you know yeah. he's not gonna hurt me you of know he's, not. he would never um but like for a moment you're like oh what is this vibe i don't yeah. like this Mm-mm. um but then Nate says, like, I'm scared of what it's going to do to you if you keep it all inside. And I was like.
0: I know. And he pokes him with, like, one tiny finger. But, like, I it makes sense Ugh. because, like, Roy got up in his face and made him not look at the notes and look into mm-hmm. his face and roast him. Because he knew that would, like, make him actually angry and activate him for the game. Mm-hmm. And also, like, force Nate into being more assertive. Mm-hmm. So it kind of worked both ways yeah Loved oh it.
1: such a good scene so well written I
0: know incredible writing what a great writer's room oh I remember what I wanted to say now um the new Apple TV original series created by Brett Goldstein and Bill Lawrence and Jason Segel is now airing it's called Shrinking I shouted it out as an honorable mention on my most anticipated media for 2023, Mm -hmm. and the first two episodes just dropped like two days ago Mm -hmm. on January 27th, and I love it so far. Oh,
1: good. Yeah, Yeah. I've been seeing trailers for that when I go in to watch Ted Lasso, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. ooh, I think I'm gonna like that.
0: Yeah, I would say if you'd like TED, then definitely check that out. Okay. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? have any thoughts on the show, let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.